right, if you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and open them up to uh, Psalm 107. Uh, that's tucked in between 106 and 108, uh, if you're trying to pay attention at home. Um, I'll start by saying this. Uh, I want to thank, I guess, Chris for uh, doing uh, my job last week in teaching about doubt. Um, we were uh, supposed to be celebrating our... Uh, 21st uh, wedding anniversary, not me and Chris, but Misty and me. Um, and then I don't think Misty wanted to go out of town with me, uh, and so she gave me COVID. Uh, I don't know how she did it, but she's a mastermind. Um, but praise God that uh, all those symptoms were pretty mild, and I just went to bed like at 7 o'clock every night for about 10 days straight. So, um, so hopefully one day she'll go out of town with me again. Be in prayer for that. I appreciate it. So, uh, but Psalm 107. Here's where we've been uh, really for the past couple of weeks. We are, we're five weeks into a six-week journey through Psalm 107 where the psalmist is simply coming in and he, he's calling the people of God uh, to worship together as they respond to this incredible truth of God's goodness expressed through his steadfast love. And and this is, by and large, uh, the reason we, we gather on Sunday mornings. I don't know if you knew that, but this is why we gather. That, that all week long, prayerfully, what we've been doing is adventuring with God. We've been meditating on His Word. We've been uh, walking with people and loving them in word and deed through the lens of the gospel. And then on days like this, like a Sunday morning, all we really do is we just gathered together and we make much of god's love expressed through jesus empowered by the holy spirit now now that's that's some of us who are here this morning and that's why the church gathers uh it's why they've been gathering all the time it's why it's important that we're part of the fellowship because now that that's some of us here there, there were others though uh who have not yet made that decision and have not yet given their life to jesus to be their savior and lord and and, and the best way I can describe your attendance, if that's you, uh, is, is you have a willingness to kind of wade into those waters. Uh, and so, so you bring your questions, and, and you bring your doubts, and you even bring some suspicions as you hear this familiar invitation from Jesus to simply follow me. And, and it's our belief here at Merge, because this has kind of been, this is my story, that that the longer I follow Jesus, the more I fall in love with him. Uh, that's our belief here, that we just invite you to follow Jesus, and then as you do that, we believe that he is so good uh, that, that you can't help but falling in love with him. And, uh, and now, as I say that, we're thrilled. If that's you, we are thrilled that you are here today. Uh, we really are, because uh, the beauty of Psalm 107, uh, the psalm that we're spending so much time in, is that it speaks to both groups of people. It speaks to those who are redeemed by God's steadfast love, and then it speaks to those who are examining and exploring that kind of love. In fact, this psalm tells the, re the redeemed to respond with worship, and then uh, it reveals a path for those described through these variety of seasons of life. And, and, and what we have in, in 107 are these people... Uh, these groups of people described who have who have lost something, either uh, because of their own folly or because of circumstance, 
They've lost something and they are incapable of getting out of their current state of despair. Uh, I, I know you're like, man, I really was hoping I'd find a set of passages these last couple of weeks that would be a little bit more uplifting, and they are, uh, but they take us to a, a really difficult spot in a season of life that, that I think, and I've said this all along, that, that I think you can find yourself either in a season or have traveled through a season like that. And, and so, but nonetheless, these people are, are incapable of getting out of their current state of despair, and in each case study, what we find is the same decision that's made. Uh, it's a then moment. Uh, it'll say uh, they, they come across this then moment where they cry out to the Lord in their trouble. And it says that he delivers them from their, dispre- uh, their distress. And, and this has been really the same model these past four weeks and even into this week uh, and, and next week. That, that what we've been walking with is the psalmist who, who, who regards a fitting response to the rescuing of God as worship. Uh, in fact, what, what's been said uh, is, is simply this, and I think this is in your talk notes, uh, that, that what he's saying in short is that, hey guys, give thanks to God because he is good, right? And we said early on, like, okay, give thanks to God, but why? And then he says, well, he's good. And you say, well, how? And the psalmist comes in and he says, because he is the God whose love doesn't give up on us. Never. And so each week we've been kind of building on this case study as to the reasons why giving thanks to God is a fitting response to his movement. And, and we've said, okay, so, so if you say that God is good because of his steadfast love, then, then the follow-up question is, well, well, how does that play itself out? Like, how do I see that at work? And he says, okay, I'll tell you, verse number nine, God is good because he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. And then in verse 16, he comes in and he says, he is the God who destroys the barrier and he breaks the chains. And then in verse 20, he comes in and he says, he heals us and he delivers us from destruction. And that's all he's doing. He's like, hey, I'm going to show you how good God is. And I'm going to keep reminding you. And and so what this psalm does is it it woos us toward the love of God through these verses. And this morning, we're going to build through traveling with another group who finds themselves in the despair associated with the storm. Now, they will be in a literal storm. We will talk about figurative storms in our, in our own lives. And, but nonetheless, this will be a people who, are, uh, who find themselves in the despair associated with storms. And, and I think there would be a lot of us being able to connect to that experience today. All right? So, so let's pray and then, then let's dive in. Father. We thank you so much for your word today. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you care for us. And I pray that as we walk through just these verses this morning, that we would be reminded of that love so that we can respond in fitting ways. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who speaks to us, who helps make your word make sense to our hearts. So we pray that he would speak. It's in Jesus' name. We pray these things, and everyone said, amen. All right, so, so the locations we've gone, and I told you this, it's been kind of hard, right? Um, the, these past few weeks, we've, we've wandered aimlessly in desert waste, and, and we've sat bound as, as prisoners 
in the darkness of the shadow of death. And, and we've watched as, as affliction resulted because of man's sinful ways. And, uh, and then we explored really the effects that that has on our appetites. And, and like I said, our text this morning is going to take us out into the seas where some of the most serious storms of life occur. Can we agree that when you're in the safety of your home, a storm isn't as scary as if you're trapped out in the middle of nowhere? All right? So, so here we go in verse 23. Uh, it says this, Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They, they saw the deeds of the Lord, His wondrous works in the deep. All right? So, so far, so good, right? Uh, now, remember, historically, um, this, this psalm is, uh, is believed to have been written about the exile of the Israelites when they were trapped in Babylon. And so, so historically, there's a possibility that this group are exiles who are sailing uh, for, for uh, foreign kings. But, but for us, we can just simply think of this as a group of people who did business at sea. This is what they did. And... And it says they, they saw the deeds of the Lord. They saw his wondrous works in the deep. And now, when I, when I read that verse, I don't know if you've ever been on a cruise. Um, I've been on one cruise my whole life, uh, and, and I really enjoyed about 90% of it. I hated the being herded like cattle on and off of that boat, but that's, that's just me. Uh, all right? Uh, some people like sitting in long lines. I have better things to do with my life. All right? So, but nonetheless... I remember when we were out there in the middle on our, we had like a two days of it was just at sea. And, and whenever you got on the deck, you looked around and there was nothing but water. Like it was, it was one of the most humbling things I've ever experienced. Because I, I, I can't recall other times that I have felt so small. I'm on this, in, this huge ship, but yet I'm surrounded by nothing but this water. And I, and I realized when I think I can identify when it says that they, they, they saw the deeds of the Lord and they saw his wondrous works in the deep. Because for me, it was awe-inspiring uh, that, that the waves in the ocean could be just, just unreal. Um, and so, so, so now what's going to happen, there's going to be a juxtaposition in, in that verse 24, we see these, these wondrous works that are in the deep, and then we're going to see his movement out in the waters. And then verse 25 is going to, will suddenly seem to change the group from, from wonder to fear. Right? So let's just go there. For he, okay, and now that's an important word, he. If you like to look spiritual, circle that in your Bible, right? For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which up, uh, which lifted up the waves of the sea, and they mounted up to heaven, and they went down to the depths, and their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled, and they staggered like drunken men, and then they were at their wit's end. Okay, and I, I told you, I think we can find ourselves in these verses, because if you've ever been in a storm of life, and you really do feel you are at your wit's end, like this... This sorrow is too much for me. This anger is too much for me. This pain is too much for me. And now, now there's a few things I think we need to note before we go forward. So, so who's commanding the storm? Nobody's brave enough to say it. 
But it's true. It says, for he commanded and raised the stormy wind. So who is he? God. Like that's, that's where we're at. When we read the Bible, there, there are many scenes of people found in the middle of, of great storms. And there are varying reasons for why the storm arises. In fact, uh, for instance, you have a guy like Jonah, uh, who, who he was running from God. And in God's relentless love for him, God sends Jonah, sends a storm so that Jonah will eventually be where God was sending him to go in the first place. Uh, you have uh, in the book of Acts this dramatic scene where, where Paul uh, is, is found in a storm that leaves him shipwrecked. And, and you get to see his faith at work as it's displayed. And, and because of that, there, the results are that there are many lives uh, that are saved because of it. We, we see a few scenes in the Gospels where, where Jesus is walking with his disciples. Sometimes he's literally walking on the water with his disciples who are found in the middle of a sea of a storm and and there are a lot to learn from from those experiences now now nonetheless there's a a common scene in our own lives in that there are times we can see a storm a brewing and then there are times it's like it snuck up on us right anybody ever been there you're like hey i i know this is coming and no matter how hard you brace for it it's still Put you in despair. And then there are other times when you say, I, I, don't, I don't know what just happened, but I know the waves are hitting, and I know I'm being rocked. And, and so, so either way, you find yourself like, like these sailors who are being mounted to the heavens and plummeting down to the depths, and their courage is melting away, and you're at your wit's end. And, and, and what we know about this particular storm is that God is commanding it. So there has to be a reason for why. There has to be. And so, so, so in my experience, there, there are some common questions that we tend to bring to the table when we discover that we're experiencing a storm in our own lives, especially when it comes to God's responsibility, or, or I should say, our expectations of what God should be doing in the middle of that storm. And, and typically, there are three questions that we ask that, that I think are simply leading to the most honest question. Okay, so, so let's kind of walk through that progress. I don't know if you've been here. This is where I typically am. So, so the first question that you ask to God when you find yourself in a storm is, is are you paying attention? Are you? Like, are you paying attention? Because we love to claim God's omnipresence, and then we wonder where he is when a storm shows up in our life. Have you ever done that? You ever try to tell somebody that, that God is in control, but then at the same time when you experience a storm, you're like, I don't think he's paying attention at all. I don't think he's aware of me. No, God is good all the time, except for when my unique experience in the storm, right? And so, so, so I'd love to encourage you to keep this in mind, that God has promised his presence in all circumstances of your life. In all circumstances of your life. He's promised to never leave you or forsake his people. And so that means he is just as near sitting on the back porch watching the sunset with you as he is on the boat that's getting tossed by the sea. Right? That's fact. That's Bible fact for you. You can take that anywhere. So there, there's nothing, there's nothing that escapes his watchful eye. And, and how he responds in those moments in light of our expectations it's something we do good to explore 
when it comes to the submission of our hearts. Uh, and so, so, so which we can begin doing as we move to the next question. So, so first we say, hey, are you, are you paying attention? And then that typically leads us to, do you even care? Right? You ask long enough, are you paying attention that eventually your frustration grows to, do you even care? Like, do you? And if you're paying attention and this is still happening to me, then, then we say, God, if, if you are paying attention and then this is still happening to me, then what does that say about your caring of me? I mean, after all, the winds and the waves are the things that we can taste and touch and hear and smell and see. And as much as we like to ignore them, they demand attention. They do. And so, so we find ourselves in a storm. When we find ourselves in a storm, we become aware of, of something that is truly at play. We, we become aware of our inabilities to control all circumstances in our lives. Did you, know, did you know that you can't control all the circumstances of your lives? Can't do it. So, so, so much of the time we look to God in frustration or, or confusion, asking him if he cares. And, and because if he cares, then that leads us to our third question. that God, if you care, then why are you letting this happen to me? Like, I understand you letting it happen to dirtbags, right? But I'm a good person. I try to do the right thing. So why am I in this storm? Why am I being pelted by these raindrops? Why is the waves, why is it coming over the boat? Why do I think I'm going to sink in this moment? If you care about me, why are you letting this happen to me? And this is where I think we can get into some really, really challenging spots because what we are attempting to do in a very finite way is to explain the workings of an infinite God. That's what's at play. And so, so as the waves throw us around and we ask, why would someone who could stop the fear and the confusion and the pain not stop it if they truly cared about me? I don't know if that's too honest for you this morning, but this is where I have been. I think this is hard to see, again, while being pelted and stung by the rain. And, and I'm always hesitant to speak in definitive ways when, whenever I am in a storm or whenever I'm walking with someone uh, who's going through one. Because I always want to kind of steer clear from being considered like Job's friends who will speak without the knowledge of what God is actually doing. And so sometimes this complaint is, is a storm has arrived, and sometimes the complaint is that the storm is not over, which leads us to asking God why, right? And I think this can be a hard answer to find at times. I really do think, but, but it's really not about the answer. It's about the presence of God, but that's, we'll talk about that here in just a second. In fact, there's this quote I read the other day from C.S. Lewis uh, that I think it helps offer some insight. It says, we can ignore... He goes, we can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. That God whispers in our pleasures, he speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pain. It's, it's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And so we can, we can see other places where, where storms are God's severe mercy to show us where our hope is placed, or at least where it should be placed. But these 
three questions are merely symptoms to a larger question, right? And so, so, so we come in and we say, are you paying attention, right? And if you're paying attention, do you even care? And if you care, then why are you letting this happen to me? And this leads us really to the, to the most important question that we're really asking God in storms. Don't you love me? Don't, don't you love me? I mean, there's this, there's this moment in Mark chapter 4 where the disciples are, are in a boat and they're crossing to the other side and, and a great windstorm arose and the waves were filling the boat while Jesus, it says, was in the stern. Uh, he was asleep on the cushion, right? Um, I guess if you're Jesus, you're like, dibs, I got the cushion. And John's like, no, wait, I wanted the cushion. You're like, I'm Jesus. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know how that played out. Um, but, but they wake Jesus up and they ask, do you not care that we're perishing? To which Jesus rebukes the wind and he says to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was this great calm. And, and Jesus looks at his disciples and he asks them a penetrating question about where's your faith? But where is it? And, and we're going to see God's love on display in just a second. But, but the principle here is that the storm issues are really faith issues. And God uses the storm to bring to light the conditions of our hearts. That's what he does. So we ask, don't you love me? And God responds time and time again, faithfully. He says, I have promised to love you because I have said it with my mouth. He says, I have promised to love you. I've promised to keep you. I've promised to sustain you. I've sent my son to rescue and redeem you. There is not a hair on your head that I have not numbered. There is nothing. There is neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, uh, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation that can separate me from your love, from my love for you that's expressed in Jesus. There is none. And he says this to us over and over again. And you want to know when he says it almost the loudest? When you're being pelted by the rain. When you're being rocked by the waves. And I think much of the time the Lord will use the storm to bring us to our senses. He'll use the megaphone of the storm to rouse us from sleep and to awaken us to who we are, and more importantly, whose we are, which is, which is shown as we get to verse 28. Because we've seen this transition, right? These people end up in a place of despair, and then they come in, and they have a then moment. Verse 28, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. And you say, oh, cool. How? It's a great question. Turns out, verse 29 will answer it for us. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. So, so all the questions that we ask while being pelted in the rain and being rocked by the waves that leave us worn out, that leave us at our wit's end. Are you paying attention? Do you even care? Why are you letting this happen? Do you even love me? All these questions, guys, pay attention, are answered in this psalm. 
And then they're gifted to us in God's word as an assurance of what we can hold on to. They cry out to God and he delivers them by stilling the storm, hushing the sea, bringing them gladness, taking them to their desired haven. So let's just continue building as we've been these past couple weeks on why God is good. Verse 9, he satisfies the longing soul, the hungry soul he fills with good things. Verse 16, he destroys the barrier, breaks the chains. Verse 20, he heals and delivers us from destruction. And now verse 30, as we build on, he quiets the storm and he brings us to safety. That's not... Some of you guys look at me like that's wishful thinking. That... That if I will just stay, if I'm in the storm and I'll cross my fingers, that, that maybe that will be true. And I'm telling you, this is a promise from God Almighty. It is. Now, now I don't get to determine how long your storm is. I don't get to determine how, how harsh the wind is and, and how high the waves are. I don't get to determine that, and you don't either. But the promise is that when you cry out to me, I will deliver you from your distress, and I will bring you to safety. There are no, there are no hopeless situations in God's sight, for He can do the impossible. And it's not until they turn to God that He responds with deliverance. You see that? And I'm left wondering how often in the storms of our lives we, we linger in the struggle because we're reluctant to cry out in our trouble. Maybe out of guilt or shame or just the fact that, man, why would, he, why would he even want to respond to me? Or if sometimes you're like me, you inform God that there's a storm that you're in, um, but, but you don't deliver, you don't ask him to deliver you from it. Hey, God, things are rough right now. And then that's, you just expect him to read between the lines. Right? You ever, you ever had your kid walk up and, Say, man, ice cream's really good. And then because you're a parent, you're like, yeah, all right, go somewhere else. I wonder how often we do that with God, that, that we're like, hey, God, I'm, I'm in a storm. And God says, you are. You are, yes, that's true. That's a fact. And then it says they cry out to God and he delivered them. It wasn't until they cry out to God, say, hey, God, I'm in a storm can you help me through it? And the promise of God is yes, every single time. Storm issues are faith issues, and perhaps some of us miss the lesson of the storm because we refuse to see it for what it is. We refuse to see it as an opportunity to cry out to God, see Him move in mighty and powerful ways so that we will trust Him in all matters and all ways. In all ways. In fact, J.I. Packer says it this way. He says, still he seeks the fellowship of his people and he sends them both sorrows and joy in order to detach their love from other things and attach it to himself. All storms of life find their purpose when we are wa at the end of it or through it, we are walking with God. Every time. So we can start wrapping this up. Verse 31 says, let them thank the Lord for his, what? 
steadfast love. Y'all are all like really chicken. I don't know. Like it's there. Like I see it. And you're like, I don't know what the next word is. Reading time. All right, doesn't matter. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol him, where? In the congregation of people, and praise him, where? In the assembly of the elders. And I love how each week the psalmist kind of brings us back to this point so that we don't wander aimlessly through the psalm. He says, look at what I just said about what God did and respond with thanksgiving because he delivers, his deliverance is an expression of his covenantal love. It's what it is. And so, so the only fitting response is worshiping him, extolling him, praising him, especially when we gather together. Especially. In fact, nobody but the crew and the Lord saw the miracle that was out in the storm. So it was up to the grateful crew to spread the word and to give the glory to the Lord. And this must be the aim and the posture of us here at Merge. We, we sang a, a song uh, at the beginning this morning. We said, look how he lifted me. And all it is is a declaration of what God has done in me and Jesus. I have a song to sing because he's lifted me. So Psalm 107 says, God is good. And he says, how? And he says, he satisfies your longing soul. He says, those of you who are hungry, he fills that soul with good things. He says, he destroys the barrier. He breaks the chains. He heals. He delivers us from destruction. And then today, he quiets the storm. And he brings us to safety. I don't know if you're in a storm right now. And the beauty of, of the gospel is that we don't have to gather together and say, well, whose storm is actually real and whose storm isn't? Who, whose storm is more severe than the other? That's what we're tempted to do when we gather together and we like to try to one-up one another as if storms are competitions. All we know is that storms are miserable. We hate them. So my desire that we would understand when Jesus came and he's talking to his disciples in that last supper he says guys I, I want to give you something he says what I want to give you is peace he said, I don't, I don't want to give it to you the way that the world does I want to give you a peace to where when life gets hard your heart doesn't have to be troubled. And you don't have to be afraid. And that's that's, that's the, my desire for you. Is that as the peace of God works in our lives, that we would be able to encounter storms. Because you'll have them. You never graduate. It's not like you graduate to all of a sudden, oh, no more storms. Oh, I take that back. One day you'll die, and then you'll go to heaven if you know Jesus, and then there won't be any as it sits today for the remaining days of your breathing there'll be storms some of them will be the result of your own folly some will be the result of your own sinfulness and some of them will just be because God is saying hey 
I want you to explore where your heart is at. My desire is that we would walk in the peace that Jesus brings. That's all I got. Thank you for staying up the whole time. Our desire this week is to love God by loving people. We make that thing available to you. You've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. We want to give you that opportunity. We believe there's no way to have a restored and a right relationship with God except through Jesus. And we would love to talk to you about Jesus. Maybe you need prayer. Maybe you are in a storm and you're like, hey, I just need someone to hold an umbrella for me for a little bit because my arms are tired. We, we want to do that with you. We want to be committed to you. But we can't walk with you unless you tell us what the storm is. And so we'll have some people over here and we want to pray with you. I love you guys. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for, at times, just the, the ability to praise you in the storm. Brother, I pray that as we've been building on why you were good through this psalm, that, that we would just continue to, to worship you in right and fitting ways. We thank you for this time.